0: Welcome to another episode of Rejoicing Daily with your host, Rebecca Brandt. She has a heart to help all families find the joy and beauty of our daily lives, not living in negativity, but truly counting our blessings. The show is based on that beautiful verse in Psalm 118, verse 24 that says, This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Join Rebecca and her special guests as they share insights for... Rejoicing Daily
1: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Rejoicing Daily. Today I'm so excited to have on the line with me Israel Wayne. Israel is the author, he is an author and conference speaker and he's also the director of Family Renewal. He currently has several books out, Full-Time Parenting, Homeschooling from a Biblical Worldview, and questions God asks. Welcome to Rejoicing Daily today. Israel, it's great to have you on the line.
0: Well, I'm honored to be on your show, Rebecca. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Thank you. My husband and I met Israel a few years ago at a homeschool conference. And when we met Israel, I just want to give you a little bit of insight on how I met him. It was a great experience. He definitely spoke about the grace of God and the beauty of walking a path with God in a way that I imagined he had grown up in a home um, that showed those values right down to a mom and a dad. And and I just kind of clung to that because my husband and I didn't grow up in a perfect home. As we listened to Israel speak, we heard a beauty in hearing the grace and the redemption of Jesus Christ through his words and really bringing out um, some of his Story, helped us to see the path that God had taken him down and possibly where he's leading. Israel, based on that, can you share a little bit about yourself and your family now?
0: Well, the Lord has really done a phenomenal work in restoring and bringing about a new life for myself and uh, giving me the opportunity with my family that I didn't really have growing up. And it's kind of interesting and ironic that the Lord has called me to have a ministry to families because if you were to rewind the tape about 30 years ago, um, our situation would have been probably voted least likely to succeed, especially in terms of having anything to contribute that was of value to families. Um, my story, going back away is just to kind of share my background is that um, my parents, when I was little, um, they divorced at the age of six. I would say that I had a pretty idyllic childhood until that time, at least in my mind. I was fairly blissfully ignorant of the fact that they were having struggles and troubles. And But when they um, split up when I was six, it was like my world fell apart. And I know many of our listeners have experienced that, the the pain of their parents divorcing and i think for a lot of us i was in the gen x generation and uh, divorce really defined our generation in a major way i think many of us um perhaps the majority of us experienced that kind of a situation and so everything that was stable and everything that was secure was taken away from me and uh you know now i'm faced with this new situation this new dynamic of of moving forward without my father and my mother living together and and without that security my mom quickly um, remarried a guy who was not a christian and in fact was uh very abusive and um it was just a really difficult season of life for me for the next 9 years i i lived with him from the time that I was 6 years old until I was 15 and I would say that he was um, it was a very difficult situation living with him because he wasn't just abusive in the sense that some men can be he wasn't the type of guy who would just blow up and get angry and lose his cool but he was actually very cold and calculated in his abuse and so There was severe physical abuse, but also a lot of mental and psychological and emotional abuse as well, verbal abuse. And so if you think about a defining season in the life of a young man um, from the ages of 6 to 15, uh, that that really is shaping your view of manhood. It's shaping your view of, of your identity, of who you are. And the scriptures tell us that you should avoid hanging around an angry man lest you learn his ways and become like him. And unfortunately, I was in the process of becoming the person that I hated. You know, learned behavior in a situation like that is almost inevitable. And I remember uh, later in my teen years reading statistics about the type of person that you were destined to become statistically, if you grew up without a father, if you grew up with with an abusive situation. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, am I just destined to be one of these statistics? Am I guaranteed that I'm going to have a life of crime and violence and drug abuse and dysfunction and, and repeating the cycle and all that kind of thing? And Uh, It it was a really tough situation for our family. Um, The the Lord intervened, intervened though, uh, in 1987. I was 12 years old, and my mom came to a very real saving faith in Christ. Uh, Her story is kind of an amazing one, the way she relates it is that she was actually in the process of, of planning her own suicide, and God intervened and stopped her from going through it and just revealed himself to her in a very real way. And so it was at that time that she began to look to Christ as her provider, because my stepfather certainly didn't provide I mean, if anything, he was kind of a drain on the family finances. And uh, if, she, if my mother was a, ever able to find some work and, and make any kind of money to hopefully buy food or pay the rent, you know, he would Take it and squander it in some way. and So she was facing the situation where I think she knew inevitably that she was going to end up being a single parent. And her whole focus changed from this very dysfunctional view of looking to the security and stability of an abusive relationship. If you can imagine that. I mean, that just seems so strange and so odd that, you know, any person who's thinking rationally that, that you would want to stay in a violent, demeaning, abusive relationship because there's security in it. Uh, it's just so strange, but that was what she knew. That was what she was familiar with. And it seemed like the unknown or, or the uncertain path <laughs> was scarier for her than the path of, of certainty which was knowing that you were going to walk on eggshells every day of your life and so she had previously just chosen to hang on to tenaciously hang on to this destructive abusive relationship uh even though she knew it was it was devastating all of us she just didn't have any confidence that she could be okay um, outside of that situation but when she met Christ she put her trust and her security in Christ and began to look to Christ as her provider and to see that she had value and she had worth not because uh, of someone else's opinion of her but because she was created in the image of God and that she had been made uh, for Uh, the purpose of knowing and loving and serving Christ. And so um, slowly it was like the the Titanic of disaster began to turn around and the uh, control that my stepfather had over her emotionally uh, began to lift and she just didn't feel so committed to um, being self-identified by his comments or or just living in the codependency of of dysfunction and and uh so anyway uh around 1988 like the next year she had felt led to um start a, a publication called the Homeschool Digest and she started publishing that and interestingly she still publishes it today she started a, a whole eventually started an entire publishing company that was uh, the, the, the magazine was the springboard for that. So Wisdom's Gate, her publishing company, came out of uh, her original publication, Homeschool just in 1988. I was 13 years old, and she just was doing that from the home. And, and I think she felt the Lord preparing her that she was going to be a single parent, and that she needed to have a way of being able to provide for her children at home, to work at home. And you know, my mom didn't have uh, formal education uh, past um, in just the early. Uh, early high school, and she she had dropped out of school and as a teenager and so she didn't have job skills she didn't have uh, the ability to go out and, and get a job that would support uh, six children, which I had five sisters and it was a really interesting path of the lord letter and and uh, she had been homeschooling us throughout all those years, even um, through many oppositional years uh early on um, you know homeschooling was illegal when she started homeschooling in 1978 because of compulsory attendance laws and all that and so we homeschooled in a climate that was very hostile to us as homeschoolers and couldn't find curriculum and didn't have support from family or, or friends there were no homeschool conventions or homeschool legal organizations or or homeschooling magazines or you know, no support groups or anything like that. We were just completely alone in the whole process and she just believed that that it was a better way to teach her children to to keep us out of that whole school system and, and, you know, it was was interesting because it didn't start out for her as something that was based out of religious convictions. It just was more of a a better educational or academic approach for her initially and especially a better social approach. Um, She just felt that we could we would do better if we had the opportunity to kind of uh, pick better social opportunities than just being forced into a government school paradigm. But once um, she came to know Christ, then her focus changed, and she began to study the Scripture and see that the Scripture actually had an awful lot to talk about parenting and family and and education and all of that. And so um, we began to to change our focus from being one of, of just merely not going to school and doing academics at home to recognizing what God's purposes and plans were in family discipleship. And So long story short just to uh, kind of summarize all of that God began the transformation of teaching us how to love each other how to be a family, how to get past uh, just this cycle of dysfunction and my stepfather ended up leaving when I was about 15 and so my mom was faced with being a single parent for six children but it was then that we really had an opportunity to learn how to be a family and we we moved across the country, we we joined a new church uh, where people invested in us and discipled us and taught us how to be normal so to speak (laughs) because we had no idea what that looked like And uh, God did a phenomenal, transforming work in our lives. And so by the time that um, I went through my late teen years and into my early 20s, I had an eight-year span between when my stepfather left and when I got married. And God just did a healing, restorative work in my life to where when my wife and I got married, we had a clean slate. We had the opportunity to be able to start fresh, without the baggage that uh, we would have almost inevitably carried with, well, that I would have carried with me into our marriage. Um, And it was really due to the faith of my mother and God's faithfulness to her that I had an opportunity to have a clean start. And so I want to encourage families who find themselves in that situation that You know, you may not be able to heal all the hurts of your situation in one generation, um, and that's okay. But you have to start somewhere. And in order to have a new lineage or a new line of of covenant faithfulness, you've got to start someplace. some, Some person in some generation has to say that this line of dysfunction and chaos ends here with me. And by the grace of God, I'm going to start walking in a new path. And what that does is it just gives opportunity for uh, the, the, what the scripture talks about, a thousand generations of those who fear him to experience the, the love and the grace and mercy of God. And so that's, that's kind of a bit of a background of, you know, what, what God led us out of. And now today, my wife and I are the uh, directors of Family Renewal, along with my older sister, Sony and... We, we've had the opportunity now to be able to share God's grace and hope with other families and to teach other families what it looks like to really commit their family to Christ and to, to turn their lives over to him.
1: Um, that's an a, amazing story. It's um, My husband and I can relate to it in many ways. We didn't enter our marriage, though, with a clean slate. God's been cleaning it over the last few years. Um, as we break, a a very similar um, situation on both of our sides of the family for our children. It's not Mm -hmm. an easy path. It's amazing that your mom did that by herself. It's definitely um, a testimony to God's grace and how he works through his son in our lives. Um, Your story always brings me to tears because I hear so much of my own story in it. Um, I know there's a lot of families out there that, that can relate to that. Many are out there right now just in that pit, just wondering, how do I get out of here and what is the first step? and How do I do that to glorify God? So um, if you are in that situation, I just highly recommend listening to um, to Israel's shows, Renewing um, Family Renewal. You can find those on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Also look him up on the Internet. He definitely has a way of, of helping you see, and I'm sure you've heard this through here, that, while we are in a, a bad situation right now, it doesn't mean that's where God wants us to remain and and correct me if i'm wrong israel we can't re, we can't rely just on God to do it. We have to step forward and take those steps in seeking Him and seeking redemption through him in order to move on and finding that joy that he has out there for us.
0: I think of a scripture in proverbs four eight and it says that the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn that shines ever brighter to the full light of day and I know for our family when we first started on the path all we had was just a little tiny bit of light we didn't have very much at all just the first glimmer of dawn but my mother decided to walk in that direction because she felt that that's where life was that's where truth was that it was in the direction of scripture and it was in the direction of, of believing God and taking him at his word and and she just had a real tenacious commitment that if if God tells us something in his word, if he says something, we're going to do it. You know, We're not going to negotiate. We're not going to equivocate. If this is what God's word says, we have to obey it. If we want to align ourselves with the blessings of God, we have to follow. And so as we walked on that path, we began to see more light and more illumination of his truth, and that really is the way that this path of righteousness works, that uh, we have a participation with God in this process of having our minds renewed and learning to think differently and to think new thoughts. Um, God rewards our obedience and he blesses us. And so there really is that desire and that willingness that we have to have to say, I'm going to do whatever Christ leads me to do, whatever he commands me to do, whatever uh, I find in the scripture that he speaks to me. Um, I'm going to follow that and do it even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if it it doesn't make sense to my way of thinking because if we haven't walked with Christ, the scripture tells us that the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to the world. Um, there's just a different logic to it, if you will. There's a different rationality to the way of the kingdom. And so we have to be willing to say, I'm going to let God be true, and every man, including myself, a liar, that I'm going to believe what God says is the right way and what he says is the truth. And so, yeah, having our mind renewed is is a big part of the process of walking in grace. And uh, obedience, of course, is what uh, attracts the blessing of God to our lives, the humility of saying, um, I'm wrong. But I know that he's right and I want to submit myself to his lordship. Yeah,
1: you know, we were talking about Noah the other day. And wondering, you know, if, if we had lived in Noah's time it's pretty evident since we weren't we would not have been part of Noah's immediate family. Where would we have been when he was out building a boat and there's no water around? Yes. In such a big boat. Um, that definitely goes against the grain of what society says is normal or even sane. Um, yes. So it's 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 definitely true to remember that God's ways are definitely not man's ways. Um, I think one thing that I struggle with at times is being able to reconcile the two so that I don't um, come across in a way when I'm trying to relay the gospel to others um, where I have a necessarily a golden ticket that they can't have. Um, so trying to, to share his love and how upside down it really is from the world while explaining that it's also available to them. So it's,
0: yeah. it's always, yeah. I've always... Yeah, I've always... Yeah. That's have area statement.
1: I'm
0: in. Yeah, exactly. I've always liked the statement that says that relating the gospel to another person, it's kind of like one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And I like that illustration because yeah. it's it's very common for us sometimes to think that because we have been given bread that somehow we're innately superior, or we've attained and we've arrived in some way. And uh, if if we've had heavenly food, it's it's simply because of grace. It's all of grace. It's not. It has nothing to do with us or our merit or uh, our innate moral goodness or anything like that. Quite the contrary um but we do have the opportunity of, of telling people look i don't have any truth i don't have anything substantive to give you in myself but i know who does you know i i know uh where this living bread comes from and i can point you in his direction and so i i think that really is the posture of the heart that we have to maintain and um and that that's just the pro- posture of, of truly remembering who we are and and what christ has brought us from and, and what he's led us into, and, and that it's all of grace.
1: Well, my husband and I have both read your books, Homeschooling from a Biblical Worldview and Full-Time Parenting. We pull those down quite often. I would love for you to share, though, if you have a minute. Um, Full-Time Parenting. How did that book come about?
0: Well, I had worked in the homeschooling community for uh, almost 20 years when I wrote that book, and. I wrote it for two reasons. First of all, I saw that there were a lot of families who were home educating. In other words, they were teaching their children academics at home, but they weren't truly discipling their children. They weren't really passing on uh, the faith effectively from their generation to the next, and it was really more of just an academic endeavor. And so I wanted to create a handbook that would be uh, both biblical and practical, to help parents learn how to, not just that they should, but learn how to disciple their children. But then also, um, outside of the homeschooling community, uh, the vast majority of Christian parents, probably about 80% of them, are not homeschooling. And these families, I felt also needed to be able to uh, have a manual that would talk to them about the importance of family discipleship and, and what the role was of, of parents in this task of of fulfilling the Deuteronomy 6 method of, of imparting the, uh, the commands of, of God to their children, teaching them his ways. And so um, that was really my heart. I just wanted to help parents, whether they were homeschooling or not homeschooling, Um, to be able to really understand what a biblical view of the family was and what family discipleship should look like, and and especially to write something for fathers. Um, Mothers and fathers can both read it and benefit from it, but uh, I know as a dad, I've read a lot of books that were really written for moms on parenting, and that's great, and we need more of those, but I felt like we needed a book that could also really address the men without them feeling left out of the equation and have so many dads who say, well, I know I'm supposed to be doing more, but I don't know what to do. And so I wanted to try to fill that that void a little bit with my book.
1: Yeah, dads seem to be in a a pretty tough position these days. My husband and I really enjoyed um, listening and hearing you speak. And in the book, I think you mentioned about um, the impact of the Civil War um, and then moving forward. And that really brought about um, some changes in, in our thought process in our own home. The men today are just, with um, the workforce being the way it is, under so much pressure and out of the home so much, um, we've just really enjoyed bringing it back to the basics, which is what you've done so well in that book. Um, you're not talking down to anyone, really just enlightening moms and dads on how to become full-time parents right in the home, regardless of where you are. So um, it's definitely a book I recommend for all families, and I love giving it away to people that are becoming parents because it's just it's just a really good book. So I just want to thank you. For thank that.
0: you. Well, um, well, thank you, and I'm really blessed. I remember when your husband read it that he he would kind of blog about it um, each week as he was going through different chapters. He would blog about it. It was just encouraging to hear um, his enthusiasm for his family and you know just. What, what you can see God's done, done in him and is doing in him and just his desire to lead his family. It was encouraging to me just to read him uh, talk about that, that process of, of how God has obviously done a phenomenal work in his life over the years.
1: Well, he's he's quite passionate about it. We, um, we pull it out often and look at it and look at where we've marked and say, okay, well, this is an area we're falling down in. We need to get back up on this area here. So... Um, Amen. It's, it's just a its a great resource. And I just appreciate the fact that um, you make it simple. You just, you just make it simple. It's about God and his grace and how each moment we have should be an intentional step towards him in every facet of our life. So,
0: ah, amen. Um,
1: so you've been traveling the last few weeks.
0: Yes, I've been on the road. Uh, it was kind of interesting we went from... Uh, North Dakota. We did a family camp up there, and the night that we left, it was 29 below zero. And then we went down to Orlando, Florida. We were down there uh, for a conference, the Finish Well conference, and then we uh, spoke at a couple of churches, and it was 73 degrees in Tallahassee when we left. <laughs> so... Yeah, we get a little bit of everything uh, in our travel, but we, we've had some great events, and we're really looking forward to the homeschool convention season and also to um, bringing our Revival in the Home seminar across the country this year as well.
1: I think that is so exciting, and I was so excited when I saw you were going to be up in North Dakota with that. And the timing was ironic because you were traveling south, and our family hopped in the car and traveled north, up to South Dakota while you were traveling north-south. We probably passed each other somewhere along the way. and didn't even realize it.
0: Probably so, yes.
1: (laughs) I don't know if you take your kids. We took our kids with us, and this time I was of the mindset, you know, in the past we've packed toys and we've packed books and we've packed this, and this time I said, you take one thing. And this trip, (laughs) because I just kept it simple, we just seemed to have more joy. There was less chaos in having to find different things. How do you find joy and rejoice daily when you are just in the busyness of life?
0: You know, that's a great question, and I think we're like everybody else that we really struggle with um, maintaining joy in the midst of uh, a chaotic schedule and all of our commitments and everything that we have going on. But um, two things that I would say that are um it just practices that we do on a daily basis when we're home, and it's always easier of course to do it when you're home than on the road, but um when we're home, we have family worship um by God's grace every day, not to say that we never miss a day but but just we're pretty tenacious about it that we we have uh um, morning family worship, and uh this draws us together around Christ every morning and that we start our day that way before we get off to all the hectic busyness of our schedule. Um, that, that's a, just a wonderful way for us to begin to, to look to the Word of God and to um, just make sure that we kind of give him the fruit, first fruits of our day. Uh, but then my wife and I always end every day in prayer together the two of us. And again it just kind of gives us that closure that connectedness at the end of the day to make sure that um, we turn our hearts back to the Lord and that we we thank him for his grace in our family that day and and we uh ask him for his his provision and grace for the next day. And so I think starting you know, kinda of like Charles Spurgeon talked about uh his book Morning and Evening, you know, just the importance of turning our hearts to the Lord in a practical way, uh in the morning and the evening. For us, that's a really big thing. And and I'll just say this. I don't know if we have any dads that listen to to the podcast here. Um, I know a lot of moms uh, tend to do it. But I've talked to a few dads that say they like to listen to to, uh, these family podcasts on their commute. But I'll just say I know for me as a dad that I really am the thermostat emotionally and to some extent spiritually um, for our family. And if I'm having a bad attitude, if I'm having a grumpy day, then that transfers over to my wife really quickly. And uh, if she's having a grumpy day, well, you can guarantee our children are having a grumpy day. And so it's been something that I have had to really make a mental note to say, um, I I need to make sure that I don't just allow myself to live in the default of stress mode, um, that I, I have to transcend that. Uh, In my words and my thoughts and my actions. Um, Otherwise, I just bring the whole family down into this this puddle of morbidity, and you know nobody benefits from that. And so, I think for both moms and dads, they need to realize the power that they have um, in setting the tone for their family, the attitude of the home. Uh, We are the thermostats as parents, and um, especially for husbands, you're, you're the thermostat for your wife. I mean my wife has enough innate stress in her life and the things that she has to do that if I come in grumpy and I I start piling on in some way and adding to that and compounding that, everything rolls backwards. It's just completely counterproductive. There's no benefit in it at all. And so that's something that I would say, especially over the last year, uh, the Lord has really been dealing with us as a family on that topic We're just making sure that our words and our our facial expressions and our attitudes and our tone of voice, that we really are relating to one another in love and kindness and not just allowing our frustrations or stresses to to spill out in the way that we communicate with each other. Um, Because in the long run, it has a devastating effect and and it'll end up pushing our children away from us and... um, that there's just nothing, nothing redeeming about that. So, um, those are just. You know, I, I love the fact that your your show is so real, right? So, just keeping it real. That's what we uh, have really been focusing on this last year. Just making sure that we're we're turning to the Lord every day, which we've done that yeah. for years. Family worship and and my wife and I praying together. We've done that pretty much our whole marriage. But, um, but this this intentionality in our communication to make sure that negativity is not ruling and reigning. That's something I've had to kind of take some dominion over in my own life.
1: Yeah, and and that reminds me, I have a confession to make. I usually start the show before recording with a prayer with um, with the person that I have online. I didn't do that with you today because I was a tad bit flustered. We had just had an accident due to silliness in our home and my words weren't necessarily kind and loving and gentle. Um, so, when, when you called in, I was already a tad bit flustered and thinking, oh, I have to talk to Israel and I have to pull this together. And, um, wow, God has just used you to speak right back into my life. We got in very late last night from our trip to North Dakota or South Dakota, rather. And, um, I got a late start to my day and had too much on my plate. And I did exactly what you said we should not be doing as parents. So. You and you know, the right.
0: wonderful, beautiful thing about the grace of God is this. That uh when we blow it, which we do um and for some of us, you know it's a uh it's a daily occurrence, especially as we're growing and maturing, but the beautiful thing about the grace of God is that whenever we realize that we're off track, all we have to do is stop and and look to the lord he's our He's our true north for our compass, we recalibrate, and um you know it doesn't have to be a big deal; it can be just as simple. As, as a simple prayer, realigning our heart to Christ, and then going to our family, going to our children and saying, I was wrong. I responded in a wrong attitude. That's not acceptable. I, I want you guys to know I'm not okay with that. I'm not content with the way that I just communicated to you, or to our, our husband or our wife. And, uh, you know, that's, I, I just love that, that, um it's that whole, you know, First John one nine, if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, He forgives us, we dust ourselves off and, and and we move forward. And again, you know, first John two one that he says, I write these things to you that you don't sin, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous one. You deal with it, you get it dealt with and you move forward and boy, that's the wonderful thing about grace. It just it doesn't leave us stuck, it doesn't leave us hopeless and we don't have to spend a week in despair over it. We just go to God and thank Him for His grace, and we move forward, and uh, and we, we allow Him to heal us. And I, I love that about God. Just keeping short accounts is so important.
1: And He and He pours it out. He is He. He quenches our thirst.
0: That's we right. We have to
1: come and and receive it. You just have to say, That's right. "This is what we want every day." I think there's just this idea that. You know, once we've accepted Christ, life is going to be hunky-dory. We're going to be perfect, and, and we're all going to just live happily ever after. And that's just not real life at all. Well, before we go, I would love for you to do to do two things. The first thing is I'd like for you to give um, an example to everyone about what your family worship might be like and how mm-hmm. you um, are growing as a family and rejoicing daily. And then last, if you could close the show off today with a prayer, since we didn't begin it with
0: one, that would be wonderful. Yes, I'd be glad to. Well, let me say this quickly about family worship. I have a friend uh, who years and years ago uh, felt convicted by the Lord that he should be leading his family in daily family worship. But he didn't know how. He had no idea how to do this. The only thing that he knew how to do, kind of typical dad, the only thing he knew how to do was run the DVD remote. (laughs) And so, this brother, he would just, he just decided one day, I'm going to lead my family in family worship. So, he would pop in a DVD of, I don't know, Ken Ham or Ray Comfort or, you know, Alistair Begg or David Jeremiah or just some some Bible teacher, right? He'd just pop it in and play it and uh, they would watch it for like a half an hour and then he would just say, okay, do you have any questions or any thoughts? And if they did they'd talk about it and if not they'd just move on and he did that for years and um the thing was I was so proud of him because he was doing something he was just doing what he, he knew how to do and it took years for him to get to the point where he had enough confidence that he was willing to open up the Bible and read a chapter to his family and discuss it and so um, my view is there 's not a perfect way to do family worship, and everybody 's family is all going to look different but um, if you do if if you just center around the scripture, we just take the the Bible and we just read it verse by verse and we talk about it as a family and we discuss it and it 's very interactive and um, I just think the the best thing to do is to do something, and I sometimes hear from moms. Who will ask the question of, well, my husband doesn't want to lead family worship. Maybe he's a truck driver and he's gone a lot, or uh, his work doesn't allow him to be home every day, or or maybe he's not a Christian, or maybe I'm a single parent. What what do I do in that situation if my husband won't lead family worship? Um, And the the answer is, uh, if your husband's not available or if if he won't do it, you do it. Uh, You lead family worship with your children, and the main thing is just to, uh, to do it. But if, if he's, if your husband's willing to do it, then by all means, please, uh, encourage him. And I would also say be really cautious that you don't squelch his enthusiasm by giving too many, uh, c- constructive criticism comments about how he could do it better and how he could improve this or that. Just let him do it the way that he's doing it. And if he messes up in some way, hopefully he'll figure that out. But um, you just don't want him to shut down on you. And so uh, for for you wives, I just encourage you to, if he's doing it, you just uh, be thankful that he's taking some initiative and kind of let him blunder through it. And um, so for for our family, uh, it's it's fairly simple. We just read the Bible verse by verse and sing a few songs and discuss the scriptures. And it's wonderful because sometimes we'll get derailed in the questions and we can go the whole morning and not really cover uh the text and i don't get i don't get frustrated with that. I mean we're having a successful Bible time or devotion time if my children are asking questions about the Lord and the things of scripture, um I want to be a- addressing relevantly the things that they're concerned about what they're wondering and thinking about so uh anyway, but yeah, as far as how we're um, you know, we're rejoicing daily. I think we're just like everybody else. We're trying to find ways to simplify our lives, to downscale, to not overcommit, to to not be so caught up in the tyranny of the urgent and all of those things. And we're in the process of learning along with everybody else. But we also recognize that we're growing and we're maturing, and we don't have some of the struggles that we used to have. And um, we've gained some victories. We've we've taken some ground, so to speak, and. That encourages us too, and I hope that encourages your family that we do grow. You know, we mature, and we're not um, we're not always in the infant stage uh, of Christian development. Um, we we have new new dynamics, new challenges all the time. But uh, thankfully, if we continue to to grow in Christ, we we do get to experience some victories and see some see some fruit from our labor too. So that's a great encouragement. So uh, let me just pray for for you, for your family uh, today uh, as a listener that God will uh, meet with you and that he will provide for you the things that you need from him today. So let's just look to the Lord. Father, I just want to pray for these families who are listening to this broadcast today. I thank you for them. I thank you for their love for their children. I thank you for their marriages. I pray, Lord, that you would do a special work of grace in their lives, Lord, that you would help them to recognize their need for you, but also to recognize your sufficiency to meet their every need. And Lord, we are grateful for the work that you do in redeeming our struggles, redeeming our failures. And Lord, I thank you that for these families, even though they may be in the midst of very difficult situations, that you are working out a perfect plan. Uh, not only to restore and heal them and their relationships, but also to use their struggles to be a blessing to other people. And Lord, I'm just grateful for uh, the fact that you never leave us or forsake us. You don't give up on us, but you continue to work in our lives to conform us into the image of your Son. And I thank you that it's through you and through your strength and through the work that you've done for us on the cross that we can rejoice daily that we can come to you and recognize that there's new mercies every day and that there is grace and help for us in our time of need. We just thank you for that, and we commit our lives and our families to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.
1: Amen. Israel, thank you so much for joining me today. It's just been a pleasure and a blessing talking to you. I can't wait to see you during the conference season. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that people can find... Your locations for your conferences on IsraelWayne.com. Yes. And you also have your own podcast through the Ultimate Radio Show at um, Family Renewal.
0: Yes, that's correct. And they can also look me up on Facebook. Um, we have uh, Facebook.com forward slash Family Renewal and uh, Facebook.com forward slash Israel Wayne Author and then on Twitter at, at Israel Wayne. Those are just a few of the ways to connect with us on social media.
1: Wonderful. Again, Israel, I can't thank you enough. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience today before we move into our wonderful music and and move on with our day?
0: Well, I want to thank you for doing this show. I want to thank you for being willing to provide a platform through your podcast where families can really learn how to uh, open up and be honest about their struggles and to um, reach out to others within the body of Christ. I think that's something we need a lot more emphasis on is The fact that we need each other in this journey as well and I think you modeled that well and I appreciate the work that you're doing.
1: I'm a work in progress. Thanks for We all
0: are. Amen.
1: (laughs) Many, many mentors Uh, who are helping me. God bless you, Israel. And I look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's show and we'll come back for future shows of Rejoicing Daily. You can find the podcast through the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at UltimateRadioShow.com and listen at your convenience. Until next time, make sure you are Rejoicing Daily.